Welcome to the Citizens Youth Sermon Podcast. We are a ministry of Northwest Gospel Church and a community of students who are learning to live for Jesus. We meet every Wednesday at 7 p.m. To find out more, visit nwgospel.com slash citizens. All right, what's going on, citizens? How we doing? Woo! All right, come on. How we doing tonight, citizens? All right, a little bit more enthusiasm from the center of the room. Very cool. I love it. Hey, good to see you guys. I missed you. I don't know. I haven't seen you in a week. I missed some of, seeing some of you guys. I did say some of you. I mean all of you, of course, obviously. Hey, missed you. Open up your Bibles to the book of Hebrews. To the book of Hebrews. We're in a brand new series tonight. Let's go. Brand new series. Woo! Hey, at Everything Youth Conference, first of all, we were so pumped. I mean, Ethan mentioned it in his prayer. I was so thankful for everyone who came out to the conference. We had a great time. Our speakers, we had three speakers go through the first two chapters of Hebrews, and it was just awesome, right? Did you guys learn something from them? I know I, I learned a bunch of stuff. I was like, this is awesome. And um, we were studying, uh, you know, I've studied the book of Hebrews before, and as we were preparing for these sessions for conference, I was like, you know what would be awesome? If we just like kept going through the book, right? What if we just like kept going on Wednesday nights? And so that's exactly what we are going to do. We are in a series called Greater. And um, the whole book of Hebrews, it is theologically dense, it is beautiful, and it is kind of mysterious. But there's one kind of central theme that flows throughout all of it, and that is Jesus is greater. And you're like, well, that's kind of the story of the Bible. And my answer would be, yes, that's mostly true as well. Um, but the book of Hebrews is mysterious. It's beautiful. It's written through to a group of people who needed to be reminded that Jesus is greater. He is the great high priest. He is the propitiation of our sins, meaning he has uh, atoned for the sins and the penalty of death that we owed. He is greater than Moses. He is greater than any of the prophets. He's greater than the angels. Jesus is greater. And we're going to be studying that truth for the next 13, 14 weeks, which I'm really excited. Oh, come on. If you're ready to buckle up, say, let's go. All right. If you're ready to go through Hebrews, say, let's go. All right. Let us just begin then. I'm excited to start off tonight's passage. I'm going to read the passage for us, and then I'm going to tell a story that seems to not have anything to do with the passage. Is that okay? Does that make any, does that, everyone all right with that? Cool. I promise I'll tie it in at the end. All right. Um, we're going to start in verse 10. Justin did a great job of summarizing some of these verses for us. I'm just going to read through a few of them, um, and then we will, um, I'll tell this story that I teased. Okay, it says this in Hebrews chapter 2, verse 10. It says, For it was fitting that he, Jesus, whom and by all things exist, in bringing many sons to glory, should make the founder of their salvation perfect through suffering. We talked all about that. Some beautiful truth in that passage. For he who sanctifies and those who are sanctified all have one source. That is why he is not ashamed to call them brothers, saying, I will tell of your name to my brothers in the midst of the congregation. I will sing your praise. And again, I will put my trust in him. And again, behold, I and the children God has given me. Since therefore the children share in flesh and blood, he himself likewise partook of the same things, that through death he might destroy the one 
who has power over death, that is the devil, and deliver all those who, uh, though fear death, the fear, through the fear of death, were subject to lifelong slavery. For surely it is not angels that he helps, but he helps the offspring of Abraham. Therefore, he said, to be like his brothers, therefore he had to be made like his brothers in every respect, so that he might become a merciful and faithful high priest in the service of God, to make propitiation for the sins of the people. For because of him, because he himself has suffered when tempted, he is able to help those who are being tempted. A beautiful passage today. Jesus is the real thing. Jesus is greater. Jesus is greater than death. Death himself, death itself could not hold him. And Jesus, through death, defeats death. And you can defeat death too if you are with Christ. He defeats death for you and he is available for you today. God, be with us today as we're looking through this passage. I pray that you would remind us of the awesome truths that you have. I pray that you'd be with us now as we're listening in. We're leaning in close. Um, God, we're dependent on you. We want everything that you have for us from your word. We don't want a single thing to fly over our heads. We don't want to be lazy and just tune out. We want to listen close to everything that you have for us. Be with us. Um, We love you, Lord. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. I want to tell you this story about a few years ago, back in 2016. And you're like, I was in like... I was like two years old in 2016. All right, don't make me feel old. Um, In 2016, there was an idea promoted across the social internet to all young people who were looking to have a good time in tropical paradise. A young entrepreneur named Billy McFarland took to the social internet to promote his new event that was going to change the course of music. It was going to change the course of history. It was going to redefine the word party. He was trying to change the world solely through one event, and that event's name was Firefest. Some of you may know where this is going. Many of you don't, which is great. Now I have a reason to continue in the story. I'm glad you don't know where I'm going with this. He was going to change history with an event called Firefest. He would do that, just not in the way he wanted to. The original promotion promised an immersive experience on a private island featuring the world's best food, the world's best art, and the world's best music. And also in the promotion, there was, quote, going to be an insane amount of models. Billy was targeting to a male audience. Let's just kind of get that out of the way here. But Billy wanted to change the world. The promotion of Firefest was fueled by dozens of famous influencers who were paid to jump on the bandwagon, promoting the event on their Twitter and Instagram. There was pictures of music, partying, models, a private island, a life-changing, immersive experience that you could get for the small price of $500 to $1,500 a ticket. Which actually, for what it was promising, wasn't that high. Just saying. Some VIP packages sold for nearly $10,000. The idea caught fire and quickly spread. Tickets sold out nearly instantly without any subsequent details provided. But it didn't matter. We're going to party. At least that's what the young people thought. They were ready for the time of their lives. It would be an immersive experience. Months go by, months and years even, uh, goes by, and the event gets closer and closer and closer. 
Details shift a little bit. The venue changes, the performances change a little bit. But it was too late now. People were getting on private planes, which turned out to be not private planes, and going to a not-so-private island in the country, Jamaica. People show up, and their dreams did not quite, um, they were not quite realize. The day arrives, the partygoers go to their tents that they were promised would be amazing only to find something that wasn't super awesome. Beautiful villas that were promoted on the internet ended up being disaster grade FEMA tents, which we have here. Here's, well, first, here's what was promoted. A beautiful vista of nice, spacious bed in tropical paradise. When partygoers arrived to this Jamaican Paradise, this is what they saw. This was the vista provided for all the partygoers. This is a true story, by the way. Musical performances due for that night were subsequently completely and totally canceled. Many of the bands say that they were promoted, but they were never paid, they were never given contracts. In fact, some of them didn't even know that they were on the website. Only maybe two bands had any information whatsoever. The world-class food turned out to be this picture of an infamous cheese sandwich. This is completely true information that I am telling you right now. Long story short, and there's about a three-hour, four-hour long Netflix documentary. Ask your parents before you can watch it. Just disclaimer there so no one says, Pastor Noah said I could watch this. Ask your parents first, but it's a good story. Long story short, Firefest was a complete and total scam. It was a complete and total scam. At best, the event organizer was completely incompetent and just tried his best. At worst, he was scamming people. The government got involved and Billy McFarlane was sentenced to six years prison for fraudulent activity. Yeah. The promise of Firefest proved to be an unforgettable weekend, and well, I guess they delivered on that. The promise to, for something greater was a complete and total flat-out lie. Why do I tell you this story? Because we get the promise of greater all the time. We get falsely told the promise of greater constantly. This will be the greatest night of your life if you just do these few things. This is going to be the greatest moment of your life if you just compromise on these few issues here. This will be the greatest feeling ever. This will be the greatest relationship that you can have. This is the greatest future available for you. This is your greatest reality. Whatever you feel like going after, go after. And we are fed lies from three master conmen all working with one another. Our flesh, the devil, and the world. And they will not see a jail cell very soon. But they are out to deceive us. And we often buy into the lie that something is greater when it turns out to be a complete and total scam. There's a desire for all of us, in all of us, for something greater, for something better, an experience unlike any other, a reality-shifting, life-altering adventure. And the book of Hebrews makes us a promise for something greater that it can actually deliver on. 
There is a greater king, a greater priest. There is a greater brother. There is a greater God. There is a greater Lord, and his name is Jesus. And he is true. And he always delivers on his promises. He is greater. Jesus is greater. And tonight, the unknown author of the book of Hebrews makes a bold and deliverable promise that Jesus himself is greater than death itself. And he used death to defeat death. That's what we're studying this uh, few weeks, and that's what we're studying tonight. Jesus is greater than death. Look at verse 12. It says, saying, it's quoting um, Psalm 88 and uh, Isaiah chapter 8 in these few verses. It says this, I will tell of your name to my brothers. In the midst of the congregation, I will sing your praise. And again, I will put my trust in him. And again, behold, I and the children of God has given me. The first few verses here show us that Jesus is the greatest brother that we have. Jesus, the greatest brother. Now, Jesus in Scripture is often referred to as many things. He's referred to as Lord. He's referred to as King. He's referred to as Master. He is referred to as uh, King of Kings, Lord of Lords. He's referred to as uh, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. He's referred to a lot of different things. But this is one of the few verses where Jesus is called our brother. We talked about this. And Justin, again, did a great job at the conference. That is why he's not ashamed to call them brothers. Uh, Jesus is not ashamed to call you and I brothers or sisters. Uh, Jesus is the greatest brother that we have, our greatest advocate, our greatest ally, our greatest friend, our greatest brother. That's him. So what's the author doing here? He's quoting two passages, Psalm 22, Isaiah chapter 8. I want you to read both of those later if you can. Psalm 22. Isaiah chapter 8. We don't have enough time to read both of them. Both are messianic promises in the Old Testament. Both are referring to uh, the fact that the Messiah will deliver the people of God out of trouble. Again, Psalm 22, Isaiah chapter 8. Both phenomenal passages. Messianic promises that the people of God would have listened to these verses and known exactly what the author was doing. He is saying Jesus came to fulfill the messianic promises. And what is Jesus doing? Well, it says this, I will tell of your name to my brothers in the midst of the congregation. I will sing your praise. Jesus is praising God and he is um, telling, uh, he's praising God in the congregation with his brothers, you and I, meaning Jesus made it possible for us to have a relationship with God. And what the author is doing here is he's quoting these messianic promises. Um, Jesus is the greatest brother of all time. Jesus puts hope Jesus puts life, Jesus puts joy in our reality. And uh, Jesus puts his hope in God, and he promotes this reality uh, in his presence. I don't know if you have an older brother or a younger brother. I don't know if you're a sister, brother. I don't know what you have in your family. Um, I'm the oldest brother in my family. And I noticed this thing as I started to get older and my siblings grew up a little bit my siblings would trust me a little bit more as I started to have like driving responsibilities, as I started to uh, just grow up a little bit more. I, was, I went to college in the same town that my siblings lived in, that my family lives in, uh, still to this day. And uh, there was this fun moment in our relationship when they realized that I kind of had total freedom because I was like 18 and graduated. And they're like, wait a minute, if I want something, I can also ask my older brother I don't just need to ask my parents, right? And so uh, over the past few years, it's been fun to watch my relationships with my siblings change. 
um, where there's moments, and maybe this will happen to you, maybe it has happened to you, maybe you look up to an older brother or sister who's like this in your life, uh, they would say stuff like, hey, Noah, can uh, I just like, I feel like Starbucks right now would be great. Don't you feel that way? I'm like, uh, yeah, that sounds awesome, right? We'd go, my little brother's uh, awesome with this. He's like, hey, I feel like we should play Smash Bros. right now. What do you think? And I'm like, yeah, that, that sounds good too. Or I think we should go play disc golf. And I'm like, it's like 1130 at night. He's like, we have flashlights. We can go do it, right? Um, there's this interesting thing that happens, right? The older brother often is, out to look, is on the lookout for his younger siblings. The older brother can provide um, exactly what younger siblings need. And I like how Jesus is called our brother in this passage. I like how Jesus is subsequently called our brother because he is not ashamed of you. Uh, you're not an embarrassment to Jesus. You're not a mistake to Jesus. You're not like an accident to Jesus, right? You are his brother. If you have a relationship with him, Jesus calls you brother and he calls you friend. He laid you know, in, in, in the book of John, he says that there's no greater love than this, those who lay their lives down for their friend. Uh, Jesus is your brother. If you know him, if you have a relationship with him, he is available and ready for you. Jesus stands in the gap between us and the holiness of God the Father and promotes us in his presence. This passage isn't about us, but it should encourage us. Jesus is our brother, and he made it possible for us to be there. And like a good older brother, he is available, he listens, he encourages, he fights for you, he doesn't forget you, and he helps you. That is what the author is doing. He's highlighting this reality, and he is using Old Testament scripture to do it. Jesus is our great older brother. Look at uh, the next few verses. Verses 14 and 15. Now, these are some powerful truths that I'm excited to share with you. It says this in verse 14. Since, therefore... The children, uh, since therefore the children share in flesh and blood, he himself likewise partook of the same things, that through death he might destroy the one who has the power over death, that is the devil, and deliver all those who through fear of death were subject to lifelong slavery. This is the main idea of the passage, honestly. This is, one of the, this is like the key central moment in the book of Hebrews where it's beginning this argument that's gonna be continuing throughout the book. Uh, Jesus became like us to save us. Jesus became like us to save us. Since therefore the children share in flesh and blood, he himself likewise partook of the same things. Um, translation, please. What does that mean? Jesus became like you and me. We're the children of flesh and blood. And you're like, I have never referred myself as a child of flesh and blood. But it's true. What does that mean? It means I'm a human being. All right, I've got skin. You can like touch me and like see me and I can like walk around and talk and make noise. I'm a human being. I have flesh and blood. This is an old school way to say I'm a human being. Since therefore the children share in flesh and blood, he himself likewise partook of the same things. Jesus is fully God and fully man in one person. Fully God, fully man in one person. Christology is the official title, the study of Christ. Who is Jesus to you? He's fully God, fully man in one person. Jesus took on flesh to save those who are living in the flesh. Jesus took on a mortal body so he could defeat death itself. 
Jesus stood in the gap and died in our place when we couldn't succeed. Likewise, he partook of the same things. Now, why did Jesus have to be a human? This is a great question that I hear sometimes. Why did Jesus have to be a human? Uh, God shows up all the, all the time in the Old Testament. He shows up in the pillar of fire. He shows up in a cloud of smoke. He, he, he shows up in many different ways, right? He kind of, he, he hovers over the waters. We see in the creation story. We see all these different images of God throughout the Old Testament. But why did Jesus have to be a human? Why couldn't Jesus be like, hey, I'm like this pillar of fire, and if you just believe in the pillar of fire and like put your faith and trust in him, everything will be fine. Why did Jesus have to be a human being? Because Jesus needed to succeed where Adam failed. That's the answer. Jesus needed to succeed where Adam failed. He needed to take on flesh because flesh needed to succeed. Now, why did he have to be fully God? Because only God can forgive sins. So we're left with this perfect formula. Only someone who is fully God and someone who's fully man can actually forgive the sins of people who are fully man, namely Jesus. That is why he had to take on flesh. And aren't we thankful he did? Aren't you thankful he did? Fully God, fully man in one person. He needed to be our representative. He needed to be the greatest representative of humanity. We need an example, a guide, a substitutional sacrifice was needed. Someone had to stand in our place. So he partook of the same things, the book of Hebrews says, that through death, continuing in verse 14, that through death, he might destroy the one who has the power of death. That is the devil. And deliver all of those through fear of death were subject to lifelong slavery. Jesus became like us to save us. There's a natural fear of death that many of us hold. That's probably the greatest fear. Actually, some people say they fear public speaking more than dying. That's actually like a thing people say. And some of you are like, yes, that's me. I'd rather just like... If it's between speaking or just like being dead, I'll take the second one. It's like, oh my gosh. Um, the fear of death is very natural. We want to live long and healthy lives. We want to see the end of tomorrow, the end of the next day. We want to continue, right? But the fear of death is real. We see death all the time from afar or maybe even up close. We see death all the time, TV screens or stories that we heard. And there's a natural fear that comes to that. But this passage promises us something great. And now, I, I typically, I grew up in a time where like the most, like the easiest way, quote unquote, at least this was the context I grew up in, um, to get someone to like think about the things of God was to be like, are you scared of dying? And it's like, oh, well, obviously I'm scared of dying, right? But here's, where the, here's what the scripture promises us. That though, that through death, Jesus destroys the one who held the power of death, that is the devil, and delivered all of those who through fear of death were subject to lifelong slavery. Jesus wants to free you from your fears. Jesus is ready and willing to free you from your fears, even your biggest fear, even the fear of death, right? Look at that word slavery, right? Scripture doesn't use this word lightly, and I wouldn't either. We are embodied, we're, we're, we're enchained in a relationship with death before Christ. We're subject to it. Every day we wake up is a day closer to dying, but not so with Christ. He freed us from the entangling fear of slavery or the entangling fear of death 
He freed us from that to bring us life and deliver all those who through fear of death were subject to lifelong slavery. It's a beautiful passage. It's a beautiful reality. He defeated death and the king of death by dying. Who could do that? Death is like the ultimate game over, but not for Christ. Death is the ultimate end, the ultimate failure, the ultimate defeat. But Jesus uses what the world would see as the ultimate defeat to defeat death itself. I mean, that's what he did. That's the reality. And the book of Hebrews is highlighting it so perfectly clearly here. Jesus defeats death so we don't have to see death. Jesus went forward to die so that we wouldn't have to. And that the day you and I pass away on this material plane, we get to live an eternal life with him and we should never fear. Now, you shouldn't drive 120 miles an hour down the like, highway and be like, I don't fear death, whatever, right? You want to live a long and healthy life. That's great. But you don't have to fear death. You don't have to have anxiety-ridden moments wondering what's going to happen when I die. If you are found in Christ, he will bring you to eternal life. In the book of Hebrews, the author here is reminding us that Jesus defeated the one who held the keys of death. It's the devil. The devil is our adversary. The devil's our adversary. The one who has the power of death, that is the devil. But it is clear our adversary has already been defeated through the sacrifice Jesus made on the cross. For three days, the enemy thought he won. He defeated the kingdom of God. He defeated the Prince of Peace, but only for a brief moment. And he was resurrected once again. Death is defeated. Jesus has won the battle. So Jesus is our great older brother. Jesus became like us to save us. And Jesus is and continues to be our greatest ally and our greatest help. Look at verse 16. It says this. For surely it is not the angels that he helps, but he helps the offspring of Abraham. Therefore, he had to be made like his brothers in every respect so that he might become a merciful and faithful high priest in the service of God. Why did Jesus have to be human? Well, for exactly what it says right here. He might become a merciful and faithful high priest in the service of God to make propitiation for the sins of the people. For because he himself has suffered when tempted, he is able to help those who are being tempted. Jesus is and remains our greatest help. First of all, I want to like comment on this thing that we had just read. I, I forgot to mention this. And deliver all those who through fear of death were subject to lifelong slavery. There is fear that grips so many young people today. Fear is a powerful weapon in the enemy's tool belt. Fear is a powerful weapon, but Jesus is greater. Fear is a weapon of the enemy, but we have not a spirit of fear. 2 Timothy 1.17 says this, For God gave us a spirit not of fear, but of power and of love and self-control. God came to set us free from our fears. If you struggle with anxiety, if you struggle with fear, even the fear of death or something else, Jesus has not given you a spirit of fear. He has given you a spirit of power and love and self-control that is straight from Scripture. So anything that is fear-based, anything that is anxiety-ridden um, is from the enemy, right? There's conviction that the Holy Spirit brings upon us that to, to change and to grow and to uh, walk away from sin and to turn in repentance. But anything that is fear and accusatory 
and is based in condemnation is not from the Lord. And you can cast all those fears away and you can rebuke those fears in the name of Jesus. You absolutely can do that and you should do that. All right, now, look at this. Jesus is our great help. Why did Jesus have to be a human? So he might become a merciful and faithful high priest in the service of God to make propitiation for the sins of the people. A priest can absolve sins before Christ. We have in scripture and specifically throughout the, um, you know, Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, um, Numbers, Deuteronomy, we see um, the Levitical law for the high priests. Um, there is a very strict code in which God must forgive sins through sacrifice and through the priesthood. Um, what God is showing us here as Jesus Christ is resurrected uh, from the dead is that now Jesus exists as the one who is able to forgive our sins. We don't need an earthly priest. We don't need an earthly pastor. We don't need a small group leader. We need Christ. Only he can be the great high priest who stands between us and God. Only the priest himself who died for us can be the great high priest. He alone can absolve our sins. He alone can make a propitiation and a forgiveness of sins. He stood in the place that we couldn't stand in and he forgave us. He is the great high priest and he's our greatest help. And he's our only help. Jesus is our greatest help and the only hope that we have for humanity. There's some really awesome promises from uh, the book of Romans that speak to this as well. Uh, look at this here in verse 18. Or excuse me, verse 16. For surely it's not uh, the angels that he helps, but he helps the offspring of Abraham. There's, uh, again, more beautiful connections throughout the New Testament, but in Genesis chapter 12, God makes a promise with this man, Abraham, and he makes a promise that God says, I will bless you, I will keep you, I will make you a great nation, you will prosper, uh, you will flourish, I will bless those who bless you, I will curse those who curse you. And what we see through the sacrifice of Jesus is that when we are one in Christ, we are now the offspring of Abraham. There's great passages from Paul who quotes this. And so this kind of points that the author of this would have known Paul or at least been inspired by his writings, yet we don't know who the author was. This idea is still here as us being the offspring of Abraham, not just specifically a group of people, but all those who put their faith in Christ will receive the blessings of God. God helps you. God wants to help you. God is ready to help you. He walked in the dirt for you. He died for you. You don't think he wants to take on your anxiety? Don't you think that he wants to take on the pain you're feeling? Don't you think he wants to be with you now? He came all this way. He sacrificed everything. He gave everything. For what? For the glory of God, but for a relationship with you. He is your help. For because he suffered when tempted, he is able to help those who are being tempted. Look at that word, help, help, help. It's all over these, first, these few verses. Jesus is our greatest help. Jesus was tempted in every single way. Now you're not dirty, you're not sinful for experiencing temptation. You're actually just a human being. You're just a normal person. You're just a normal person if you are experiencing temptation. Jesus was tempted. But Jesus was successful when we failed. But Jesus wants to help you with your temptation. 
God wants to free you from fear and God wants to free you from the temptation that so easily entangles us. Jesus is able to free you and help you with your temptation. Have you asked him to? Have you prayed about it? God, would you help me with this temptation? Or I'm just gonna like, I'm gonna try white knuckle my way through this. I'm just gonna like, I think I can deal with this. I think this is just a season. I think this is just a moment. God wants to free you. God wants to help you. He is there for you. God came to free us from our fears. God stands in the gap. God stands in the gap between us and the holiness of God. He's the only way. He's the only way to help. Jesus died to defeat the power of death in your life. That's our main idea. Jesus died to defeat the power of death. There is no one greater than Christ. There is no one who has been able to look death in the eyes and say, let's fight and I'm going to win. There's nobody who has died and resurrected to free the rest of us from death. That's who Jesus is. But potentially the greatest scam of all time is that you don't need to be saved. Potentially the greatest lie that's been delivered to young people for generations and just people for years is that you don't need saving. You don't need help. Potentially the greatest scam of all time is you're fine as you are. And if you take a long, hard look at yourself in the mirror, you might be a good church kid. You might know the right things to say, but are you good? Or do you need somebody who is good to help you? There is only one greater who can. There is only one who can stand in the gap. There is only one who has defeated death so that you would never die. His name is Jesus. And he is here for you. Jesus is greater. He's greater than life itself. And over the next few weeks, I want us to pray this prayer. I want us to pray this prayer. And in your own time, in your own space, in your own prayer time, I would encourage you to pray this very simple prayer. God, show me that you are greater. God, show me that you are greater. God, show me that you're greater. Greater than what? I don't know, maybe the Holy Spirit will show you that. God, show me that you're greater than blank. God, show me that you're greater than my fears. God, show me that you're greater than my failure. God, show me that you're greater than my anxiety. God, show me that you're greater than my biggest mistake. God, show me that you're greater than my future. God, show me that you are greater, and I believe he will answer those prayers. Jesus is the one who stood in the gap for us. He's our great help, and he's our great high priest. And over the next few weeks, we're going to see these realities flesh out, that Jesus is fully God and fully man. He was incarnated. He's, uh, he's completely God and completely man in one person. And we're going to continue to see that he's our great high priest. He stands in the gap. He alone can absolve sins. He alone can forgive sins. And he knows exactly what it's like to be human. We're going to see these things. And he can show us that he is greater. Do you view God correctly? What's the lens that you look, what's the lens in which you view God? We must believe this. He became like us. He walked in the trenches for you and me. He's not unfamiliar with your pain. He isn't unfamiliar with your emotions. He's not unfamiliar with your fears, but he's greater than all of those. Let's pray together. God, we love you. We're thankful for this time. I pray that in uh, this very moment, 
I pray for those who feel abandoned, who feel hopeless, who feel anxious. I pray that you would remind us that you stood in the gap, that you are a great high priest. God, thank you for your humility, this overall reality that you came down to earth for your children. Help us not to forget that that is something spectacular. Our whole faith depends on it. Our whole lives depend on it. God, thank you that you're greater than our fears. God, thank you that you want to help us with our temptation. God, thank you that you continue to have a relationship with us. You didn't just save us and say peace out. You are walking with us still to this very day. Help us to believe that. Help us to believe and know that you are greater. Pray that the next few weeks as we dive into these words, we hold up these truths, we look towards you. Would we not come for head knowledge or understanding, but would we come for an encounter, a personal encounter with you through your word, through your spirit? I ask these things, Jesus, in your precious and holy name. Amen.